Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love my wife. Greatest woman in the world. My wife. Off to a bad start. You're not going good places. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Anytime you being... say those sentences, then stop talking. You're done now. This... That was a good, excellent point. <laughs> this is being recorded. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Podcast number three. Woo! How about that? Three is a three is a tradition, man. Three trees makes a row. That's right. Things real. We have, it's a magic it, number. It is. It is all those things. We have made it this far. I am Tim Plain. Uh, Jeff Simons, you're in California. Hello. Ben Barton, you're in Tennessee. How's uh, how's everyone's week? Uh, rough, blisteringly busy. All right, um, let's 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 check in. Scale of one to ten, emotionally, spiritually, physically, where are you, Jeff Simons? Oh, I'm okay individually. Um, I'm just too busy. I'm working too hard, but I feel fine. It's healthy. All the kids are healthy. Wife is healthy. So there's milk in the fridge. So you know, <laughs> considering the circumstances, I'm probably like a high high eight, low nine. But high um, eight, low nine? Are you kidding me? Wow. Well, I mean, that's, I, that's completely out of hand. Well, considering what I could be, I mean, like, those are, know, those are, you, you, you're not giving yourself that's that, like when you get to 10, like you're so close to oh, 10. I never, I never that's not, to you got to give yourself some room, some play. Those I'm, are pre Corona numbers. Right? I got yeah. a, I got a Zora Neale Hurston thing going, man. For me, the dream is the truth. And then oh, I act and do things golly. accordingly. So, <laughs> well, I love you. I love that you bring up milk because that's going to come up later in the podcast. Uh, ben Barton, give me give me a number. What's your number? So I'm on a I'm back a five point five cap in quarantine. I mean, <laughs> yeah. above that, that would be just at best day yet. Yeah. So I'll put myself at a four point five. Okay, I'm that, five is average, right? That, oh, I that come is... from a California grading system. I think. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, right. I forgot. Seven point five is is average. You know. Oh no way, man! <laughs> yeah, you got to be below average in quarantine. All right, I'm a seven point so, two then. So yesterday I was a four, and I started listening to this song, and I'm like, "Gosh, I love this song. This is so great." And I don't know what album it comes from. And the song is "Glad Tidings" by Van Morrison. You got it ready, Jeff? <laughs> Oh. 
That's the last song on Moondance, is that right? It is yeah. indeed. Yeah. And it's a song, Glad Tidings. He gets a letter from a buddy in London as he's living in New York. And on the envelope, his buddy writes, Glad Tidings from London. And what is this podcast except Glad Tidings between the three of us? Look what he did there. Trying to make connections. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's my song. I'm going back on, on Gordon Lightfoot, Canada's national treasure. And I am pulling out... Um, Belfast's angry bastard, Ben Morrison. With, <laughs> that's right. One of the angriest men in music, but who had glad tidings for all of us. That is my new song from 1970. Are we, we're allowed, are we allowed to curse on this thing? I think we're allowed yes. to curse on this. Go um, ahead. Have any of you ever heard the bootleg of Van Morrison playing the Montreux Jazz Festival in 1974? He's only playing the stuff from Veden Fleece that just came out. It's like long and weird. And after about four in a row, somebody in the front yells out, Moon Dance! And he, he says, you like that one, do you? It's like, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to play what I play. And if you don't like it, you can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> And then into an 11-minute version of Lyndon Arden stole the <laughs> crowd pleaser to the end. Yeah, he really... Van Morrison. That is a man who connects with his audience. Uh, the reviews of the later records, there's a great review, and I can't remember whether it's that one, but he, they're like, Van Morrison has apparently moved to stealing from Celtic music. I liked it better when he just stole soul music. Oh. That's a great line. That That's rough. a great line. All right, I'm going back to Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> no, no, Glad Tidings. <laughs> you know what's great? Don't do that. Save this. Much Glad better. Tidings is a great call because it's, what, the 10th the most famous song on a 10-song record? So you get the, you get the indie cred. You get That's the, right. the critical edge on that. It's very I, good. I listened to the album all the way, baby. Um, let's go. It, introduce our format, Jeff. The format of this highly organized, deeply professional <laughs> podcast is that the three of us have been charged by Tim to pick a song for every year of our lives. Um, not necessarily the best song, not necessarily the biggest song, but in our estimation, the best, which means we can think about song quality, what the song means to us, uh, what it, what it meant to the world at large in that moment. You throw all of that into a meat grinder and you come out with one time capsule song for the year in question. But we have to establish what 1971 was like and you're going to play us the Grammy song of the year for 1971. Yeah, now last time it was uh, the syrupy sweet uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water, but 1971 yeah. was a much edgier year. <laughs> so we get a we get a much tougher tune. It's the Grammy winner. You've got a friend, Carol King.
since they both charted with it in 71, I oh, thought dude, we'd skip back and forth. That, that's why I hate this song. That's From why Carol, I hate this song. Carol James King and Bruce. James Taylor both charted with it in 71. I got a very the short. Same year. Yeah. I have a brisk short story about that. Let's uh, hear it. I, I worked at Arno's Restaurant as a busboy, Main Street, Nantucket, and they played James Taylor's Greatest Hits on a loop. That was it. That was the soundtrack for that job. So I would work an eight-hour shift just listening to those songs over and over again, and I still can't hear any of them. Freaking hate James Taylor. You know what the most egregious song, what is the most egregious song on James Taylor's Greatest Hits? In your opinion, it's, which it's, is the one where you were like, I'm going to throw this plate through the plate glass window of our uh, I mean, so I'll know it when you say it. It could have been You've Got a Friend. I, I really do despise that one. But it's actually the cheap blues one, like Steamroller. Oh, Steamroller yeah. with a bullet. Yeah. And that's a record that has Mexico on it. And it's still worse than Mexico, which is hard to imagine the song being worse than Mexico. Can I just have two bars of Steamroller? Oh, you don't remember that one? I don't think I, I'd have to go to YouTube for There's no way I've got Steamroller on the... Go ahead, sing it. Oh, it's the... Well, I'm a Steamroller, baby. Oh, it's yeah. It's like a yep, fake yep, blues. Yep. It goes on for seven yep. minutes, and he, he drops <laughs> yep. the F-bomb for absolutely no reason at the end. He makes all <laughs> those Martha's Vineyard it's people. Brutal. Oh. It's It's oh. a super white performance for James Taylor. <laughs> That's actually perfect. That's the, James Taylor, if he were too white. That's a great description. Wow. Of yeah, I was surprised been, to see. I was surprised to see you've got a friend in that position as as the Grammy winner. Well, let's see what else was happening in nineteen seventy one. Um, Jeff Simons, the twenty sixth amendment passed. What was that? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, I gotta guess. Ben I gotta guess. I gotta guess. Ben Barton. Eighteen uh, year olds can vote. Yes. Excellent. Wow. Brilliant. Excellent. Uh, we had uh, ping pong diplomacy between the United States and China. A little table tennis action. I believe pong was probably invented around the same time. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, the microprocessor is invented. Uh, the first calculator by Texas Instruments comes out. Oh, interesting. Soft contact lenses and Greenpeace. That's an interesting list. Did you guys have the <laughs> owl? Did you have the OWL Texas Instruments calculator when you were a kid? The one that was like, what had like yes. a little graduation yes. cap on yep. his head? Very smart. Um, Jeff Simons, you're going to love also that uh, Disney World opens in 1971. Yeah, I, I think I visited I it. You're a fan. I think I visited Disney World in the first three weeks of it being open, like with wet paint and like a dirt parking lot. Like my parents were early adapters of the Orlando Disney World. Wait, but we don't. The three of us don't have any memories yet, right? This is 1971 no. we're talking about. We're, My first memory of Disney World is 1974. We went in 74. I remember that being five, and I vividly remember being absolutely scared shitless by Peter Pan's flight. <laughs> okay. Uh, ben Barton, who won Best Actor in 1971 Ooh, I for, playing, for playing the title role in a film that won Best Picture. One of the all-time great, one of the all-time great acceptance speeches as well. I'm not gonna yes. 
Can I can I give a shout? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I believe yes. it's George C. Scott for Platoon, and he brought a Native no. American woman up for, to wait, protest. wait for for Patton. Just, for just Patton. to be clear, for Platoon, Patton. Patton. Platoon, George Very C. Scott different. for Patton. Sorry, <laughs> very different movie. George S. Platoon. <laughs> That's a great one. I love that performance. Yes, it is. Well, I remember what. Well, it came on ABC like late seventies, and I remember him swearing oh, in that yeah. opening yeah. speech. I was like, "Oh my god, did he just say that?" Yeah, the scene where he's um, screaming at people in the in the military hospital like that's just an all timer. Yeah, it's good. That's a good movie. It really is. Um. All right, uh, Jeff Simons. I am terrible with uh, money and, and understanding how much something was worth like back then, but I'm going to see what you. What you could do with this. Oh, God. A Datsun 1200 sports coupe cost how much in 1971? Let's do our prices right. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let, the actual retail price without going over of a Datsun was, uh, I'm going to go with uh, $1,495. Oh, okay. 1399 Okay, it was 1866. Oh! Yeah. So, quite a pretty penny for the... I think the 1100 Sports Coupe was cheaper. All right, um, Jeff Simons. Now let's go to the number one hit. It's the number one single. Joy to the World by Three Dog Night. Way better than you. You got a friend. Probably the best song we've listened to yet. In fact, right of the of the award-winning tunes. Well, these are the the number one hits. So longest longest uh, stay at number one on the charts. But I mean, the Three two songs from '69 and the two songs from '70 were were were. A Not until I like it. Yeah. yeah, this is much better. Uh, the impossible question goes to Ben Barton. Of the original three lodging choices where is the best place to stay at disney world is it fort wilderness the contemporary resort or the polynesian resort the contemporary resort's the one that's got the monorail in it yes that's the one yeah that's easy why because you're at the monorail (laughs) but you have the noise going right through your hotel Oh, if yeah. you've watched The Simpsons, you know the monorail is whisper quiet. <laughs> Dude, the Polynesian, you're not there for the resort. Like, if you're at the Polynesian <laughs> resort, you're missing things. You need to get on the monorail and get into the park. Wow. Um, Jeff, do you agree? Oh, yeah. I don't. Why would you ever stay anywhere except the hotel with the train running through it? We stayed at Fort Wilderness. Ah, now I understand Chip, why the pushback. Chip, Chip and Dale come out. They roast marshmallows with you. Oh, you get a little driving movie. 
I was too cheap to stay at the hotel with the train. Yeah. The first time <laughs> yeah. we went, we stayed at uh, like Jungle Vision, or the one that's like not a newer one. Uh, <laughs> and then the second time we went, I rented a condo in Orlando, like early okay. Airbnb and drove it. Yeah. And we used to okay. stay with my grandmother. We drove 90 miles round trip every day from Melbourne. So we didn't even, I mean, I've never been That's to, okay. I've never actually stopped in the Orlando city limits except to go to, you know, the, it, the itchy lot at Disney World. So. At, at some point in the, um, the 46 podcasts we have left, you have to tell your, the story of your grandmother and the raccoons and how she liked, she, she liked to question. turkey carcasses. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. But you're getting, Rest in peace. you're getting outed at some point in this podcast for sure. All right. Jeff Simons, the invitation to cynicism question. In 1971, Great Britain's education secretary, Margaret Thatcher, oh. gained no notoriety for having discontinued the free milk program in Britain's schools, earning her the nickname Thatcher the Milk Snatcher. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is milk, which contains the hormones to build the bones of mammals that weigh 2,000 pounds, overrated in western culture this is such a setup i happen to know you have a lifetime move against milk because <laughs> your your body rejects it as a food source which is why you have zyrtec in the house to begin with i it's weird our love of milk is only i mean thinking of milk as like an essential uh, food stuff is probably antiquated and, and weird. The thing about milk is it's delicious. It's really tasty. And it makes everything I put it in and on better. Um, but I don't think of it as like, a, oh, you should drink your milk. I'm just like, oh, I have milk. I'm allowed to drink because I find it. I find it. And you don't, you don't think of yummy. it as like um, cow mucus. Not even remotely. <laughs> Do I think of it as cow mucus? No, sir. And in fact, Where do you think I'm pretty sure. I'm worried about you. I mean, I'm no botanist, nor am I an animal husbandry expert, but I'm pretty sure it's not extracted from the nostril. I, I was once driving on a long drive through South Carolina, and I came across a station that had Dick Gregory uh, going off for about an hour on the uh, dairy lobby and how <laughs> the dairy lobby gets us to drink uh, cow mucus. Uh, Do you remember very passionate. that you, you pulled over and called me and left like a long screed about this life-changing event in your life when you realized that milk, you were set up to enjoy milk? I, uh, anyway, no, I'm not a big, I am not, um, I'm not under the thumb of the evil milk lobby, but... Um, I am not under the thumb of the milk lobby, but I am completely enthralled by big cheese. Cheese is my <laughs> thing. It's my jam. Growing yeah. up, this is an actual quote from my mom, really on any meal. Go ahead and melt some cheese on it. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and melt some cheese on it. It's healthy. Have a little cheese with it. Literally anything. Like Build your bones. Melted cheese on top of it. And she <laughs> it's always makes everything better. That is great. All right. Well, it is it's time. For milk is the cream in my coffee, literally. Oh, great. Our three songs. Jeff, you're up. I'm up. 
Well, not only is this my favorite song of 1971, but this is my favorite song. This is, this is it. When, I, when I'm asked, what is your all-time favorite song? This is it. I'm wearing the T-shirt to set up. Oh, don't show me. I was about to guess. The, well, you, have to, you still got nine choices to pull from. So go ahead. What do you got? It's Bargain. It is indeed. Bargain by The Who. I never knew that was the name of the song. You just thought it was I mean, one of the best the... I ever had? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I know the song it, well. It would make sense to call it the best. That's the record where Teenage Wasteland is called Bob O'Reilly. So he, he's, right. he's been cantankerous for sure. But So the reason this is my all-time favorite song is uh, it has everything in it I love about rock music. It has the, the rock crunch of a rock guitar with an acoustic kind of underlying. It uses sound effects and synthesizers to tremendous effect without pulling focus. It has completely, and a completely unhinged rhythm section that uh, follows no rules and, and pulls focus whenever it feels like it. Um, I think it, uh, I think it's incredibly exciting. It has that great false ending where it sounds like it's ending and then moon starts playing again and they all ramp it all up again. Um, but the th reason I love rock music so much is that it, uh, it has all the rules of tonal harmony of melody that have been around since like 17th century. I mean, like all the songs follow Bach and Mozart and Beethoven's rules of composition, but it adds volume and uh, dynamics and tension and release and technology to, for just a secret sauce. And I, for me, bargain is the, just all of those different elements that I particularly love that just smash together. And because it's not, Teenage Wasteland, because it's not Won't Get Fooled Again, because it's not Behind Blue Eyes, um, I don't come across it in regular right. life, right? Like I right. very rarely play it on the radio. And so when it comes up on my iPod or it comes up in life, it's still special and new and I, I drive too right. fast. So well, hey Jeff, what's it about? I mean, it's a love song, but what's it about? Yeah, well, it's a love song about uh, spirituality, which is it's strange for me that a song about uh, relationship to a higher power would be my number one as that's not a particularly big part of my life but um it's about both the idea of connection to another person and a connection to another person that, that line in life one and one don't make two one and one make one is the whole idea behind uh -huh. it right that like uh -huh. when you're at your best you actually you're outward facing and making it that the connection you have with other people is the is the bargain that makes everything else worth it okay. so i like the sentiment too I mean, it's very, yeah. it's cheesy, but, uh, you know. Well, what's, what's, what's fascinating it. for me, 
for for everyone who doesn't know, I don't own uh, albums. I never bought albums. I didn't buy many tapes besides Synchronicity, uh, Thriller, and uh, what was the Go Go's album? The Dirty Dancing soundtrack, right? No, stop. The Go Go's with Turn to You. I can't remember. That was the one after, sadly. Oh, no, it's it's the one where they're all like the same. Oh, it's Talk Show. The Go Go's Talk Show. Talk Show. Very good. Wow. Thank you. So, all my knowledge of music comes from the radio. Um, and I, all I know is that's just such an interesting song. Like in my area, you hear Boston all the time, um, which Dancing just kind of seems one. That's right. But it's all just kind of one note the whole time. Whereas the who would be weird. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't always like it, but weird was at least interesting. Like what the heck are these guys doing? Uh, which is much more than than what Boston was doing. Yeah, I like the Who's weirdness. Like you know, Bob O'Reilly starts with uh, a minute of synthesizer before it does anything, which is a pretty crazy way to start a song. Even now, I mean, especially now, yeah. you would never get away with it. But even then, right? And then it becomes this big, open-hearted sing-along. It's not art. Right. I mean, it's arty without being art rock. I think so. It, it, for me, it's always delivered the yeah. sweet spot that like they they try things. They're super, the who are, are, are swinging for the fences compositionally. How could they not, how could they not name it? they're trying to reach a lot of people, you know? Some how could they not name people. it Teenage Wasteland? I have no idea. Well, I mean, Bob right O'Reilly is, is, Baba is the spiritual avatar that Townsend was following. And O'Reilly is for Terry O'Reilly, the composer of In C that inspired that, that da 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 beginning. But Ter- yeah. Terry O'Reilly was a, a right winger for the Bruins. Well, there's also that. But I mean, like, that's classic Townsend, right? That, like, he writes a song that, you know, that I'm sure people still on Spotify can't find. They're like, ah, oh, I thought Teenage Wasteland would be on here. And then they yeah, go and right, listen right. to a rock and roll band by Boston instead. Favorite anyway. song of all time. Wow. Yeah. Bold statement. I dig, the, uh, I dig the aggression. I'm here for the aggression, and that's just a, a, a real bottled up aggression song. Dig yep. It. All right, Ben Barton, your turn. All right, so I mentioned that I, I really struggled with this one. And this it was is the weird. Year. The way I did it is I just started in 69, and uh, 69, two seconds. That was easy as my wedding song. Right. 70, I was like, oh, look at the embarrassment of riches for 70. Just, and uh, <laughs> I actually, what I did is I just put the year on, on my iTunes and then the number of plays. And so you can just look at it in order. Oh, it's smart. And I just have a crap ton of songs that I've heard a million times from 70. 70, right. I thought that 71 would be the same. I mean, there's no reason why 71 shouldn't be that. A bunch of records that I really like came out in 71. So uh, the ones I did not settle on, Rod Stewart's Seems Like a Long Time, and mm, then Can't okay. Me Knocking by the Rolling Stones. Oh, and okay. The reason I could not settle on these two songs is, it's not that I didn't love them. I, I love those songs, and this is gonna hurt Jeff's feelings, but I'm worn out on those songs. Yeah. I have not okay. queued up those songs to listen to in a long, long time um, because I just listen to them too much. So this, however, will make Jeff happy. Jeff, if, okay. you, if you will do uh, Live at the Fillmore West, Aretha Ooh. Franklin. Oh, oh, oh. oh, the one you're with. Oh, that is a great choice. Love the One You're With by Aretha Franklin. Occasion to do before we just put it in our show, and I swear I hope you like it as much as I do. Please tell me how. 
So here's a couple of things that I love so good. about that. So good. Uh, the first, so it's the, it's the King Curtis band behind yep. her. So that's Soul Serenade and, and uh, Memphis Soul Stew. Right? And the poor guy, King Curtis, died that year. He, he died, died August, three, months, three months later, dude. Great call. And that's he's decorative. like a set uh, session musician that whole time. The band is unbelievably tight. She says, we haven't had a chance to play it before. They learned it the night before. Really? And then they play it live flawlessly and shred it. Like that band is so unbelievably tight and awesome. And I also love Aretha covering a white hippie song instead of a white hippie covering an Aretha song. Like right. it's just it's a reversal of fortune there. And then the last thing, and this will recur a couple of different times, but um, I always love to choose a live track, especially a live track where they just murder it where you're like, yeah. that would have yeah. been a really impressive performance in the studio with everybody playing it separately. But right. to just show up and bang that out, especially, I mean, Aretha's singing, good Lord. Like, her pipes is unbelievable. 71, is that, it, I, I mean, people could disagree with this. To me, that's after her prime. Like, it is. Especially as a recording yeah. artist. Totally agree. Um, but as a performing artist, she has still got it and then some. Right. Just awesome. Well, if if I could I, geek out on that for a second. Yeah. The reason they did that song is uh, Bill Graham begged Aretha to, to, to play the Fillmore in San Francisco. And she said no for years and years. She's like, I'm not going to get booed off stage by a bunch of white people that don't get who I am. And he kept telling her, you don't understand. You're going to, they're going to love it. You're going to kill. And the only way that she would do it is if they gave her some songs that white people would know. She went on stage that night. Wow. thinking it was a 50-50 proposition that they were going to make it through the set. And Wexler and Bill Graham handpicked Eleanor Rigby, love the one you're with. There's one other, like, one-off only at the Fillmore West cover on that record. And, wow. uh, and so when, she, when the crowd goes absolutely crazy the end of each song, you can almost hear her be like, huh, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> and by the time you get to Spirit in the Dark, which is this 20-minute long crazy workout where ray charles comes out and joins her and it's a what? it's a total scene it's amazing and then what king curtis is so great that four months he dies three months later and two weeks after that the allman brothers are doing a radio concert and it has one of my favorite introductions if you'll indulge me gentlemen just listening to Dwayne allman talk about king curtis Check this out. About King Curtis, he said, man, that was one of the finest cuts there ever was. He was just right on top of getting next to the young people, you know. It's a shame. If y'all get a chance, listen to that album he made out at Fillmore West, boy. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. The power and the, and the emotional stature that man had. He's an incredible human being, boy. I hope that, well, that whatever it was that did it knows what he did, boy. It was a, it was a terrible thing. 
funeral, boy, Aretha sang and Stevie Wonder played, and man, they played Soul Serenade, all the little. You ever hear that? Y'all probably a little bit younger. Huh? It's fantastic. Yeah, we'll do it, brother. You want to do something? Yeah, we'll do it. I know where we'll do it. So what follows is a 20-minute version of You Don't Love Me, where in the middle they seamlessly cut right into Soul Serenade for three minutes in a tribute to King Curtis. Wow. What, what I love about that, you talk about what we learn about the world looking doing this podcast. When, when Twain Allman says, you kids are probably too young to remember <laughs> King Curtis, Memphis Soul Stew came out in 1968. He's standing on stage in 1971, and he is 24 years old. <laughs> he says, oh, you kids are probably too young to remember a year and a half ago. Like, rock and roll was so young, and it was so immediate, and nobody had any idea that three old farts would be sitting around arguing what the best song of 1971 was. Like, things well, were moving so probably, unbelievably quickly in this genre. He's probably got, like, 16-year-olds in the audience, right? you know, like, I mean, inventing I mean, like, the stuff as they go along. Like, I mean, are, are the big hits of 2017 so far away from you that you're like, whoa, how was I? I mean, that, I was a kid back then. I right. just think time is moving so unbelievably quickly for these guys at this point. Great choice, Ben. Unbelievable. How did uh, King Curtis die? He's shot. I can't remember all the details. He, got, he actually got, I, I looked it up. He got stabbed. He got stabbed. Jeez. Oh. Uh, and it was a robbery, too. Pretty... He just got stabbed in front of his house. Randomly. Oh, that's a great, great choice. I love uh, what Otis Redding said when, when he first heard Aretha sing Respect. Yeah. He's like, that bitch stole my song. Like, yeah. it's over. Like, yeah. she just took it and made it her own, and there's no going back once Aretha takes it. All right. Well, I have a cover as well. Those are two excellent choices, gentlemen. Uh, I'm afraid you're incorrect. Uh, the best song of 1971 is by Janis Joplin, and I'll explain why after we hear a little bit of me and Bobby McGee. Me and Bobby McGee. That one I do have. Here we go. Me and Bobby McGee by Janis Joplin. Busted flat in Ben Rouge, waiting for a train. And us feeling near as faded as my jeans Bobby thumbed a diesel down Just before it rained And rode us all the way into New Orleans I pulled my harpoon Out of my dirty red bandana I was playing soft while Bobby sang the blues Windshield wipers slapping we sang every song that Java knew Freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose Nothing, I mean nothing, honey, if it ain't free love that key change i mean and then she really goes for it later on yeah. so love my wife greatest woman in the world 
my wife. Off to a bad start. You're not going good places. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Anytime you being... say those sentences, then stop talking. You're done now. This... That was a good, excellent point. This is being recorded. But I'll never forget the day she turned to me as we were coming out of a Lyle Lovett concert. And she said, I don't think I want to go to concerts anymore. Oh and I said, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, we just go and, and we just face a person and they play music and we can't talk. And I said, well, we could talk at the end. We clap and everything like that. She's like, yeah, I don't want to go to concerts anymore. This is a, a woman who would come home and turn on the TV rather than turn on the stereo. She'd drive in the car and she would listen to talk radio rather than radio stations or playing musical tapes. So, I mean, Jeff, you saw how few CDs I had back in the day. Yeah, uh, but you looked like a collector. I remember when, <laughs> I, after your first date with Helen, I was like, what CDs did she have in her car? And all she had was the Les Mis soundtrack. I was, yeah. I was, a, I was a little worried. Yeah. I was well, a little worried. She, she also had Nirvana. So, uh, well, I'm, I'm of course, yeah, probably yeah, came with probably but came music, with the car, the Nirvana record. Music is not her thing, and yet I remember driving from Vermont to Georgia with her, and it was after we played categories, coming up uh, with sitcom theme songs back and forth. Lasted like three states. Couldn't believe it. Janis Joplin comes on. We play it. Helen Plain can bust out Janis Joplin like nobody's business. I was, I was swooning right there. And so me and my, Bobby McGee is, uh, is my song that elevates my wife to this musical goddess level. Oh, good. You saved it. I love it. That was great. Way to, <laughs> way to pull out a dive, brother. That was good. Woo! It's a good choice. Janice dies like what? Actually, she dies before the record comes out, right? Right. It's a posthumous release, me and Bobby McGee. Yeah. Ooh, can you name the other song that went number one posthumously? Dock of the Bay. That's right. A little Otis coming back. Um, I couldn't believe it in my little bit of research I did for this. Do you know who put this song out in 1970? I do. Who? I think Chris Christopherson, right? He comes out, I think, in 71. Oh, Okay. Gordon, Lightf Gordon Lightfoot. You got it. <laughs> oh, how dare you, good sir. <laughs> it all comes back. Wait a minute. <laughs> to Gordon Lightfoot. All right. Good choices this week. That's a pretty good. good yes. uh, that's a good, good stuff, mix. Good stuff, fellas. 1971 this week, 1972 next week. Anything to look forward to? All downhill now that I've done my, my all-timer. Uh, oh, we'll come kidding. up. We'll come up with something. No, 72's got, uh, 72's got uh, my number two all-time favorite song in it. How about that? All right. That one yeah. I might be able to guess. Yep, number two. And then it's a big jump before we uh... – actually, all these early ones. I got I have I Want You Back at the at the number four and Sign So Delivered at number 10 in the all-time list, so – Oh, you went – There's an all-time list that goes – Yeah, you, you took the list and then ranked the list? No, no, I just – you know, there are many lists. There could be a whole <laughs> oh separate podcast on the uh, on the mini lists. All right. Until next time, fellas. Well done, I'll Tim. Well done, Jeff. Thanks, man. Bye. See you later.
all try hard on this podcast, but we really don't know what we're doing. If you do, give us advice on Twitter at 50 Years of Music Podcast. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.